0: listening to the White Oak Houston podcast, the official podcast of White Oak Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. White Oak exists to help people come alive to the wonder of the gospel and fully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit us online at whiteoakchurch.net. Remain standing for one more moment open up with me to God's Word in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let's hear from Him this morning. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Uh, Just a reminder, this is not the Gospel of John, this is 1 John, which is toward the end of the New Testament, a little bit before Revelation. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, the words will be on the screen behind me so that we can soak into God's truth together. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He, meaning Christ, appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see him as he is and every one of us hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure amen you may be seated this is God's word over us this morning well, I just want to welcome you again here to the White Oak Faith family. Uh, I'm so glad that you are here. If you are new and visiting with us this morning, and I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is James Handel. I'm the discipleship pastor at this church. And really all that means is I get the privilege of helping all of us take our next step in what God has for us in our life. And so I really, really hope, I've been praying all week, that this message will help you uh, find God and follow Him no matter where you're at in your life, What I want to do this morning is start out with a question, as I often like to do. I think it gets us thinking a little bit. And uh, this may be an easier question for you than many questions that I pose in my sermons. And uh, I'm going to do a show of hands, but I don't want you to do it yet. So my question is, do you think that church should feel like family? Now, I want you to think about all the implications of what that means, all right? Family shares The same name, right? A a common identity. Uh, Family grows together, like literally grows together. Like kids grow up in stature, but also hopefully in life experience and in wisdom in life. Um, But not everything is good in family, right? Real family uh, sometimes has conflict and sometimes has quarrels and differences of opinion. Uh, sometimes family doesn't always get along together. Sometimes family has to go through dark seasons together and through painful things in life. And so all this goes into what it means to be a family. So I want to pose the question again, and by a show of hands, who thinks that church should feel like family? Okay. Pretty much every person, probably every person. Uh, If you raised your hand in here this morning that you think that church should feel like family, you are 99.99% of where I want you to be by the end of the sermon. So you are way ahead of yourselves. Give yourselves a round of applause this morning. You are almost there. I got a few things I want to talk about of how we get there, but at least you have the spirit of where we're going. This morning, I'm talking about family and how church is a spiritual family. And we use a lot of different terms to live that out. One of the terms that we use often in our church is community, right? And that's just another term to say, you know what? We should do life together. We should be a family together. And we have things called community groups, which I'm going to talk about this morning. And that's a a way for us to practice being family together. I've entitled my sermon this morning, Share a Meal, Share Your Life. And I don't know about you, but I, I, sometimes you have these kind of dilemmas uh, in front of you. Maybe you have a problem in front of you, and like the solution to the problem doesn't really present itself immediately, right? So you're thinking hard about it. You're trying to brainstorm. I'm, a good, I'm like a whiteboarder kind of person, so I try to whiteboard a lot of the times. And I was thinking about our community groups, and it just wasn't coming to me. How do we do this best? And then one time I was talking to Pastor John, and this phrase kind of came up in our conversation. Share a meal share your life. For me, this kind of boils down what it means for us to live in community. You have this thought, share a meal, which means we just get around the dinner table together and we just eat together. But most importantly, we're in each other's presence. And this is really countercultural because we are busy people, right? We're stressed out people. We're workaholic people. And yet this idea, share a meal together, is flying in the face, I think, of busyness in our culture. And then there's share your life, which I think flies in the face of independence. It flies in the face of kind of wearing a mask. In community, we share our life together. We share about our struggles, not just the good things in our life, but also the bad things in our life. And I'm going to get to how we live this out in our life. But this has been a huge phrase for shaping how I think about how we do community in our church. I think this is so, so important. So I want to talk about that a little bit. So whether we're talking about community Whether we're talking about real family, whether we're talking about fellowship, whatever it is, what we're talking about this morning is what does it mean to be children of God? I want you to look back with me here to uh, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We'll just read that first verse one more time. And it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. And maybe in your version, this is the ESV version, but maybe in your version, I think the NIV says, look what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. And I love that phrase. Look at the love that God has poured out over us in our lives, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Do you ever go down YouTube rabbit holes? Has anyone done that before? You just said, okay, I'm not the only one. Sometimes I get on the internet and I go down a rabbit hole. Maybe it's like on Reddit or maybe it's on YouTube. And like at the end of a couple of hours, I come out of the hole and I just... You know like you question your life decisions. You're like, man, I, I, I got to get better at life. But sometimes you go down a rabbit hole and you come out feeling so much better. Well, I did that this week. I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube and I started watching surprise adoption videos. You ever watched these before? Like where they kind of surprise kids with the adoption papers or maybe they they meet at the airport, right? Maybe you've adopted a kid from a different context. And so you have these like meetings that happen. I watched a whole bunch of uh, videos of those week. And those are the kind of videos where it's like, I'm not crying, you're crying kind of thing. I mean, I I love those videos. Go watch them if you've never done it before. I saw one where it was like this, this little girl and uh, her mom, uh, adopted mom, basically it was her birthday party. And she like gave her a present. She opened it up and she read like her birth certificate where her last name had been changed to that family. And the girl just immediately like breaks down crying and hugging. I'm like, man, this is, this is what it's all about. Here's the thing. You are adopted into the family of God. You are adopted into the family of God. When you believe in Jesus, some amazing things happen. You're rescued out of sin and put into the perfect righteousness of your Father. When you believe in Jesus, you are saved from guilt and uncleanliness and all the things we sing about in these songs and rescued into a life of love and of peace. And when you believe in Jesus— You are taken out of alienation from God and you are adopted into the family of God. At the point of your salvation, your relationship with God is no longer creator and creation, it is father and son or father and daughter. It's not how you feel in a particular moment, it's not anything that you do, it is what you become. You are a child of God through faith in the gospel. And I was thinking about this. This this is actually a theological term from the Bible called adoption. We're going to learn a little bit this morning. This is a theological doctrine of the church that's called adoption. And it's not something we talk about that often. I think it's implied a little bit. We sing songs where we call God Father. But there's actually like kind of an official doctrine that revolves around this. And I've been to seminary and I've studied sort of church history. And uh, this concept isn't really talked about a lot, even though it's talked about. About in the Bible. And I think there's some reasons for that. I think for one, we like to talk about forgiveness from sin a lot. We'd like to talk about the cross, that God rescues us out of guilt and shame. And all those things are good. But God doesn't call us to be always looking back to what we left behind. God is also calling us to look into what he's bringing us into, and that is in the family of God. I read this uh, quote from a theologian. I thought this was really good. He says, Forgiveness is not an end unto itself. The point of forgiveness is to remove the barrier that stands between us and God so that he can give us his spirit and bring us into his everlasting family. That's the purpose of forgiveness, to bring you into the family of God. I also think adoption sometimes gets mixed up, especially out in society and for people who kind of think maybe they're Christians but don't really live it out. You know, we don't like to say that there's people in the family and people outside of the family, and so we like to say, you know what, we're all children of God, we're all in the family of God, but biblically speaking, that's just not true. The Bible says that there is an open door for anybody to get into the family of God. The door is wide open, huge. But you've got to step into the door. You've got to step into faith in Christ that brings you into the family. And yet it brings us to this wonderful uh, a doctrine called adoption that happens when you believe. I summed it up like this. I was kind of trying to put it together. And I think this is adoption. Adoption. Adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we become sons and daughters of God and have a right to all the privileges that come with being in the family of God. When you join a household, when you join a family, you get all the privileges of that family. Right? Let me list a few. God calls you by name, He brings you into His family. It says he sends us a spirit of adoption. Literally, we share God's last name. If you can get that image with me. We're in the family. God invites us to his very throne room. He says, get near to me. I'm not going to be a distant father. I want to be a close father who knows you. And and I want you to know me very closely. He provides for us. He protects us. And he gives us a family, right? He says, it's not just going to be me and you in life. I'm going to give you a family called the church. And all of you together are going to grow together. It's one thing for God to call you a servant. It's another thing for God to call you a friend. But God says you are a son and a daughter. And that is so much more powerful. When God becomes your father, your circumstances become your servant. When God becomes your father, your suffering becomes your servant. When God becomes your father, the circumstances in your life become your servant. Because you have all the rights and privileges that come with being in the family of God. Just a a few quick verses from the Bible if you kind of want to jot these down. Adoption is a huge theme in the Bible. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8.15 says, For you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We get to say Father. Right? So all throughout the Bible, there's this huge theme of adoption. And I kind of love how adoption has gotten really big, kind of in our day and age, you know, like parents adopting kids. And that's been something that's really big uh, both in Christianity and outside of Christianity. I love that because that is the heart of the gospel. Let me ask you some questions Who initiates adoption, the parent or the child? Who pays for the adoption, the parent or the child? It ain't the child. The child cannot pay for the adoption and for all the process that goes into it. The parent pays for the adoption. God paid for the adoption through the death of Jesus Christ. There was a price, and God paid it. I love adoption because once you 're in the family, you 're in the family it 's unconditional, based on god 's grace. it doesn 't matter how you feel in a particular moment. Doesn't matter what you believe in a particular moment. All that matters is that God has adopted you. Family is what you are. Here's the problem. Look at verse 2 and 3. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now. First of all, I love that. He says it like five times. You've got to be reminded you're beloved. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And then he goes on. He says, What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And it says, everyone who thus hopes in Christ purifies himself as he is pure. So here's the tension. There's tension between who you are as a son and daughter of God and who you're becoming in the family of God, right? So here's the tension. Just because we are, we are family doesn't mean that we know how to be family, I'll repeat that one more time. Just because we are family doesn't mean that we know how to be family. We have to be trained up. And what does it look like for us to be a spiritual family? Because it's not natural. It's not organic. It's literally the definition of supernatural. God takes random people in the world, brings them together through faith, and they become a family. I was talking about adoption, kind of physical adoption earlier, and how parents, uh, it's becoming more popular in our day and age. And uh, But I, there are some challenges that come with adoption. I was reading about these. It's something that I've considered with my wife. I know many people in our church have considered uh, going through that process of adoption. And they talk about one of the uh, challenges that comes with adoption is helping a child Uh, fit into their new home environment, especially if they've been somewhere else before. I'm going to read this from a, a kind of a mental health website, and this is what they said. They said, the first issue a new adoptive family faces is how well it will come together to be a family. It is vital to the integrity of any family that its members bond with one another that they recognize one another as members of the family group and that they develop caring, committed relationships with one another. The bonding process may take a bit longer to occur for older adopted children or for children adopted from another country. Older children must not only adapt to a new family, but they must also deal with the loss of living in an earlier situation. So here's the thing. If we are the adopted children of God, we weren't always that because we didn't always believe, but we lived in these other contexts and we have to be taught what it looks like for us to live as a family. And what I love about God is God doesn't search out perfect people and says, I only want perfect people in my family. He takes imperfect people and he says, all right, I'll do with this. I love you people. I'm the grow you in faith and in what it looks like to be one of my children. That's what God does for us. And yet we got to learn how to do that. Because some of us have baggage from maybe our physical family experience. Some of us have baggage from kind of a past life and different things that we've done in the past. And so we're wounded, we're damaged, we have defense mechanisms and all these things. God has to work us through as we grow and to be family. But there is something that I do know for sure. That God does not want us to settle for anything less than a real family, a real spiritual family that does life together, that bears one, another bur- one another's burdens, that doesn't just chunk deuce when things get hard, but that actually lives life together. So, what I want to talk about for a moment um, is how we at our church kind of practice being a family. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, We got to practice. Awesome. All right. We got to practice being a family. And so the elders and deacons and the kind of leaders of our church got together and we tried to decide, you know, how do we practice family life? And this is one of those things where if you go to different churches, people do things a little bit differently. The heart of it is all there. Every uh, local church is kind of like an extension of the family, but every church kind of does it differently. And so I'm not saying that we do it the best in the world. In fact, I'm never going to say that because we can improve in a lot of different ways and uh, we're always trying to grow in the way that we do family life here. But I want to share a little bit of how we organize our church so that we can grow together as a family. The first thing I want to talk about is something that you're doing right now and that is the Sunday gathering. We like to call this the heart because in the Sunday gathering we learn what does it mean to have a, a heart of a son or daughter of God. I think the Sunday gathering is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. Think about it. You get about an hour and a half of uninterrupted time to worship. You ain't got nowhere else to be right now. You probably don't have anyone calling you right now. Work's not calling you right now, hopefully. You get an hour and a half to just come with us and just worship. So you get uninterrupted worship, 30 minutes of uninterrupted singing and worshiping by what I think is probably the best band in Houston, Texas. Can we get up for them? I mean, great worship band. You get that each and every Sunday morning. We get to grow our hearts uh, to reflect who God is. So we have that, we have the preaching of the word, we have the Lord's Supper, we have offering. Uh, This is where we develop a heart of faith. But here's the problem. If kind of all we do is the Sunday gathering, we may be putting a little too much on it than we expect out of it. A little too much on it than than what it can actually bear. Let me tell you some ways that just going to the Sunday gathering may lead you a little, uh, maybe some gaps in family life here at our church. So if you only come to the Sunday gathering, first of all, it can be very easy to feel alone in the crowd. All right, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you feel that way this morning, but sometimes you feel that way. You're in the middle of the crowd. You're with people, but you're alone. All right? You don't feel known. You don't feel uh, maybe loved. You don't feel deep connection with people. That's just not something that the Sunday gathering is able to facilitate. There are just too many people to do that. Number two, it's easy to listen to a sermon And to not really live it out in your life, right? It's easy to come and you listen and there's some good points and hopefully the preacher is entertaining and and he's interesting and uh, I hope this particular preacher is entertaining and interesting. But it's easy to listen but not put it into practice. The Sunday gathering doesn't facilitate kind of that feedback. And then number three, um, you don't get that personal support that you need in your life. You need to be known, you need to be known. Uh, what's going on in your life? You need to be loved. You need people praying for you. And the Sunday gathering just doesn't do that in the way that uh, we need in our life. So that's just the kind of the first aspect of what it needs, what it means for us to be family here at our church. Then we have new day classes, and uh, I just want to ask, yeah, I just want to ask, if you were in a new day class, would you just kind of stand up for me or raise your hand? I just want to see if you were in a new day class this morning. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Give them a round of applause, guys. All right, you can sit down. Um, You guys are like, man, what's he going to ask us to do next? Thank you so much for being a part of those. That's something that we just launched uh, this morning. And we think it's so important for us to not only worship as a family, like from the heart, but also to kind of know kind of about the faith and grow together in the faith. And so that's what those classes are designed to do, to grow us in the faith, kind of in core theology and devotion and leadership and servanthood skills in our church. And so that's how we grow in that area. But that too, as excited as I am about those, has some limitations limitations. And if you only go to Sunday, or New Day classes, first of all, they're only 45 minutes, so they're not much time. Uh, number two, there's a lot of teaching. There's not much feedback. It's still kind of a large group, and so it's, not, uh, it's easy to not be known as well as you need to be known in those places. And there's no chance to really share about your life. So even if you did just that, you're not going to experience the full family experience of Wido. And that brings us to the third one, which I want to talk about this morning a little bit, and that is community groups. We call these the hands of our church, right? You see, you you like that? You got the heart, you got the head. Community groups are like the hands because that's where we actually put into practice what we've learned in our New Day classes, right? We learn it there. We put it into practice through community groups. And so what I'm trying to communicate this morning is that these things are not meant to kind of replace and be interchangeable. We've designed them to be kind of complementary, right? They kind of grow different aspects of our faith. So just like the dude, I was just thinking about this. I don't work out that often. I actually just started doing the seven-minute workout. I've done 28 days in a row, and so I feel really good about that. Um, I know it's only seven minutes, but it's a start. But I don't go to the gym, but I've heard this saying that there are some dudes who go to the gym and they skip leg day, right? That's a thing. You only work out kind of your arms or whatever. And so I feel like maybe going to just one of these things or maybe two of these things, you're kind of skipping out on the full growth experience that we have at our church. You like that illustration? I love the illustration. But here's the thing. We're called to grow in all these areas. And I think probably the best place to live out the faith in our church is through these community groups. So as a discipleship pastor— I'm always trying to take you from the crowd and take you to the community, right? I want to take you from the crowd, the large crowd, and I want to take you to a smaller gathering of people where you can be known. Because here's the thing, as we grow as a church, and we're definitely growing as a church, God is blessing us in that way. But as we grow as a church, we also, we also have to intentionally get smaller, Right? We have to intentionally get smaller. I hear this sometimes where people say, you know what, I feel really disconnected because I don't know everyone's name in the church. And I just want to speak to that for a second. The goal to me is not for you to know everyone's name, but for you to be known by someone in the church. Right? I would rather you have deep connections with a few people than to have shallow connections with everyone. And that's the goal of community groups, is to build these deep connections in our life. Knowing everyone's name, that's Facebook. We don't need Facebook. We need family. And so I like to think of it this way. This right here, the Sunday gathering, is kind of like your extended family, right? And community groups are kind of like your immediate family, right? You don't know everybody in your extended family that well. You might know them by name or maybe not or whatever, but you know people in your immediate family. And that's kind of how community groups are designed, to have a few people in your life who know you and can help grow you. So i want to put up a picture here this morning. Uh, this is uh, my community group, which I love so much. This is my community group from past, uh, this past semester. And I'm just going to leave this up here as I try to paint a picture of what community group life is like. So in our community groups, first we meet throughout the week. Because we know that Sunday morning is probably not enough for us to grow closer together, right? We need that sort of midweek push in our life where we get together, we're praying for each other. And I've heard from so many of you that you say, you know what, it's like my lifeline in the middle of the week where I get to be with other believers and I get to grow together with them in the faith. And so we meet throughout the week. We have age-specific, kind of life-specific groups, and we also have all ages groups that meet throughout the week. So we have some that are designed for young couples or maybe young professionals, but we also have all age groups, depending on kind of what you where you're at in life and what you want out of your group. So we have all these different options throughout the week. We meet in homes. Because we see that not only in Scripture, that Christians and early followers of Jesus met in the temple, but they also met in homes throughout the week. And so uh, we have amazing group leaders in our church who have opened up their home, literally cleaned their home up every single week so that we can come and be a part of it and they can host. And I just love those people so much because I think they model servant leadership in our church. They open up their home for us to gather together. Like I said, we share a meal together. And uh, we just implemented this probably in the past uh, two semesters or so, and it's gotten so much better. And I just love this idea. We do a potluck in our group, and so we all kind of bring different things. And we gather around the dinner table, and we share a meal together. And it's amazing. It's a free meal every week, and you have to pay for that meal, right? So it's amazing to get together and do that. We share about what's going on in our life. We get, uh, in our group at least, we have a time where we're all together, but then we kind of break up into guys and girls. And uh, I know if you're a guy in here, the thought of getting a small group of guys and sharing your struggles is probably not that appealing. But you know what? I think guys also like to share about their triumphs. What's going on at work this week? What have you accomplished this week? And we do both of those things. We share about our week because we want to be transparent. Community groups are where we take off the mask. And we love each other for who we actually are. So we share about our life in our groups. We share a meal together. We give and receive prayer together. And we live out the faith and we make lifelong friends together. And I just want to speak to you this morning. First, if you're someone who's never kind of participated in community groups, you're not, you're not really sure kind of what that's about, if that's you this morning, I would love for you to just try it out. It's not a lifelong commitment. It's not, you know, you have to sign on the dotted red line and we're going to follow up with you every week. But I would love for you to peer into what it looks like to be a part of a family in our church, right? Just, just try it out. You don't have to do it for life. And if you're someone who's been in our community groups before, and I think there probably are a few people who said, you know what, I did it and I didn't think it was that great. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm, I'm so, so sorry about that. We, are, we do try to make them better every single semester. And I just want to appeal to you and say, you know what, there is no perfect group of people There's no perfect group of people, there's no perfect community group, but God calls us to love people where we're at and where they're at. And so we're called to do those things throughout the week. So community groups are this space where we get together, we grow together, we learn from each other, we share a meal together, and I count these people as my lifelong friends. And I want that for you. I want you to have deep relationships. Especially speaking as a guy who's getting older, and as men especially, as we get older, we don't have that many close relationships, our friendships, and I think that's a huge travesty in our culture. I don't want us to get older and not have deep relationships with each other. And so this kind of helps us do that. Because you know what? We think these things are going to happen organically. We think they're going to happen naturally. But in reality, we need to be a little bit more disciplined, as Pastor John has talked about. And we need rhythms that get us into that. So community groups are the space where we do all these things together. As we draw to a close this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time just lingering a little bit on what I think are probably the biggest benefits that come out of being in community groups. So I want want you to stick with me here and hear about some of these benefits. When we do life together, we prove that we're not just people who share the same last name of the Father— but that we are a real, authentic family. And there's a difference between those two. There's a difference between just sharing the same last name as someone and they live in a different state or you don't see them that often versus living life with them, growing with them. God wants us to be a real family. And there is power in that. There's power in real family because real family is authentic in our culture, our generation we love authenticity and so we promote authenticity in our groups and say you know what if you're having a terrible week, share that you're having a terrible week, it's okay, we'll be patient we'll listen if you're having a great week, we'd love to hear about that as well but where it's so easy for us to put on the mask in our Sunday gathering community groups are the place where we take the mask off we say, you know what? I'm good enough. I'm good enough to be in the family because God accepts me. Real family is empowering because God doesn't just intend for you to be just a a well of knowledge. Doesn't just intend for you to soak up all this information about Christianity and never pour out. So it's like Sundays, it's like we're getting, we're receiving. and New Day classes, we're receiving. And then community groups are part of where we live that out. Where it pours out into other people. So many times in the Bible, it talks about the one another's. Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Support one another. Help one another. When someone's in sin, we call each other out. When someone's suffering, we help them, we swoop around them. And I've heard so many stories from the past semester of people coming around others in their group and saying, you know what, we're family, you got an issue, we're coming around you, we're going to fix it with you. And if we can't fix it with you, then we're just going to walk through life with you. This is what real and authentic community is about. And real family is attractive. Real family attracts other people to the gospel. Real family attracts other people into the family. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And this is my favorite thing. When we do life like this, when we do community in this way, we even attract God himself. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. You see in the book of Acts, when believers were meeting in homes, it says that God was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's this image of real family that the world is so desperate for. We come from broken homes, we come from broken places, and when they enter into the family of God, it's not perfect, but it's redemptive. And that's what God intends for us. This morning, I'm going to ask you after the service, if you feel so led, to go to the back of the room, and we have sign-up sheets. Our community groups will start here on uh, February 3rd here in a few weeks, and you can just go back there. You can sign up, but I don't want you to sign up just to chalk something else up on your religious to-do list. I want you to sign up because we're called to be family, and so I like to see today as kind of like adoption day. (laughs) Today's adoption day. God adopted us, and we're called to adopt other people into our family. So when I join a community group, and saying, you know what, I know these people aren't perfect, but I'm going to adopt them for a season. I'm going to do life with them, and I'm going to grow with them. I know that community is not easy, but it is worth it. You say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. It's all right. Still learning? Come peer into what family life is like. Say I'm too busy. (laughs) I get that. But if you're busy Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night of every single week, then we got to have a conversation about how much you got on your plate. Maybe you need to scale back a little bit. What if I can't come every time? That's all right. Come as often as you can. This is what it means to be real family. I started this morning... And I asked you to raise your hand if you believe that church should feel like family. And I think every single one of us raised our hand. Yes, we want church to feel like family. But if we're going to feel like family, we have to act like family, be family. We have to step into family, step into these places. That's the only way it's going to feel like family. So I encourage you to do that. And uh, I believe it's something that's good for you and that's good for our church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for adoption. Something I I didn't really think about, Lord, uh, before this sermon. It's something I kind of took, maybe took it for granted that I'm in your family by faith. I thank you for allowing us to step into your family and to be called sons and daughters of God. Bless us this morning, Lord. Bless our groups, Lord. Bless each and every person who's going to say, you know what? I need community in my life. I need family in my life. And I just pray that you would bless our groups this semester and that they would be the best groups that we have ever had. Where life is lived out, problems are solved, people are prayed for, and where real family happens. We love you, Lord. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray, amen.